ever remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, patriots, Christian identians, and white nationalists all over the world. Welcome. This is the Restoration Hour. I'm your host, Pastor Eli James, EurofolkRadio.com. And please tell everybody you know about EurofolkRadio.com. In these latter days, the information we're putting out is getting more and more important by the day because Mystery Babylon, the international bankster megalith of the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, and other uh, crypto crypto Jews and real Jews and, and Edomites and Khazars, etc., is has made its final move, its last attempt to take over the world. It's called COVID and lockdown. And we're seeing there's a great reaction brewing after two years of being locked down, the Canadian uh, trucker convoy striking against the Justin Trudeau government. Uh, I don't know how in the hell they got elected because they only got 30% of the vote. So I don't know what, what kind of structure. Uh, I guess it's democracy, folks. The left only needs 30% of the vote to, to get elected, right? So, uh, hey, Lily. Okay, so what, what we're going to do, uh, we're, our plan was to continue on the uh, 14th Amendment story of Ed Arlton, how he filed a, a brief uh, against the United States government. And uh, essentially he won, my understanding is he actually won because he established himself as, and I don't want to use the word sovereign citizen. (laughs) I don't want to use the word sovereign citizen because that's like the dirtiest word in America at the moment. I'm I'm going to explain why as part of today's show uh, because uh, the the government, the feds, the the left, the commies, the uh, internationalists, the globalists, the New World Order who have taken over America have issued an all-points bulletin for uh, sovereign citizens. So you don't want to call yourself that. And uh, I'm, I'm preferring the word um, birthright, birthright citizen, because that's what it is, because we are the children, the Adamites of uh, the tribes of Israel and the European nation-states are in fact the Israelites of the Bible and the birthright and covenants that apply to the Old Testament Israelites apply to us today because we are that posterity. So I prefer using the words birthright and posterity to describe our movement to restore our constitution. And so we're proceeding with that, okay? And there's actually tremendously good news on that front as well. But there's so much news that I can't squeeze it all in today. I'll I'll do maybe next week. I'll do a bit on how you can file a a complaint against a corrupt public official 
against their bond. And uh, every public official in America has to swear an oath to abide by the U.S. Constitution. And if they don't, you can file a complaint against those uh, those people and, uh, and uh, tap into their bond money. And if you sue them for more than their bond is worth, let's say their bond is worth $4 million, and you sue them for $10 million, and uh, you can prove that they've been corrupt, dealing corruptly, then, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey, uh, independence never claimed to be a sovereign citizen. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, and I'm going to read a document which says why, because the federal government has put out an all-points bulletin against sovereign citizens, so you don't want to call yourself that ever. And, uh, in fact, uh, a few years ago, I did a story about a... Uh, a good uh, a, a man trying to do a good deed. He found a, a dog roaming around uh, on the, on the street, and he picked the dog up and took it to a lost and found you know, dog pound, whatever you want to call it, the uh, animal shelter. And he tried to turn it in to the people behind the desk, and they asked to see his license and ID. And I said, he said. Why do I need to show you my idea? I'm just dropping off this dog. I'm doing a good deed. Uh, they called the cops on the guy, and uh, the police came. They got into an altercation. He got into an altercation. He was saying, I'm a sovereign citizen. You can't tell me what to do. Bang. He was shot dead. He was shot dead for claiming to be a sovereign citizen. So that's the type of world we live in, folks. That's the type of world we live in. All right, so I'm going to start out with the GoFundMe backtracks on stealing the money from the Canadian truckers. And this is, uh, well, let's see, Fox Business News. That's not the link I put in the uh, chat room. Let me just click. Oh, hold on, folks. That Fox News started its own song. <laughs> we, we don't need that. Let me just click on the link I put in the chat room. Let me scroll back up there. And uh, and the other story here, uh, the militia, uh, people aligned with the California militia have unseated a reigning Republican politician, folks. This is getting really interesting, really interesting. So it's the zero hedge story that I want to start off with. And it's about, and if you go to the front page of Eurofolk Radio, you'll see there's a video by uh, Millennial Millie in which she identifies the uh, the f- forces behind GoFundMe because well, a couple of days ago, GoFundMe stole all the money from the truckers. They had up to $9 million in the GoFundMe account for the Canadian truckers. And GoFundMe decided, well, no, they, they can't have it. We're going, to, uh, we're going to give that money to Black Lives Matter and Antifa and, and other left-wing causes. Now, now of course, that GoFundMe is owned by the Rothschilds through BlackRock and State Street and other investment corporations who, by their investments, actually own most of America, if not the world. So these people who have taken it upon themselves to steal the money from the Canadian truckers, leave them high and dry in 31, minus 31 degree weather, right? 
but uh, they've, they've started another fund. So I'm going to read the story here. Uh, that, but uh, GoFundMe has backtracked in a sense. They are, instead of delivering the money to the truckers, they are issuing refunds. They have so many thousands of people complain about backtracking and not delivering the funds to the truckers that people are just leaving uh, GoFundMe in droves. droves. And so that's really good news. The backlash has begun, folks. It's taken two years, but the backlash has begun. Okay, title, after enabling violent far-left extremists, GoFundMe steals millions from Freedom Convoy fundraisers. This is Saturday, February 5th, 2022, 6.44 p.m., just minutes ago. Oh, I'm sorry, yesterday, sorry. Wait a minute. No, it is today. Can I say it's February 5th, 6.44 p.m.? Just, uh, oh, I don't know if he's... Uh, East Coast or West Coast has got to be uh, East Coast. <laughs> anyway, it's because it's 7:09 in Central Illinois by Tyler Durden, and this is Zero Hedge. Zero Hedge is really a good website. Update 18:30 Eastern Time. Just as we anticipated, it looks like a crypto-based crowdfunding platform, TallyCoin, has helped supporters of the Canadian truckers reroute their donations to help support the people on the front lines of the protest. In the day that has passed since GoFundMe announced its plan to quash a fundraising effort for the truckers, more than 700000 has been raised to benefit the truckers on TallyCoin, which I have never heard of. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's not owned by the Rothschilds. <laughs> Last night, GoFundMe announced that it would be seizing all the money donated to the cause and that donors would only see their donations refunded if they specifically requested that the money be returned. Wow. The arrogance. The arrogance. Otherwise, it would be forwarded to another cause of GoFundMe's choice. Well, this didn't go over too well with the donors, many of whom threw a fit online, and I don't blame them. Now, in what could become a major threat to GoFundMe, anybody interested in the new platform can donate as little as a single Satoshi. What is that, North Korean money? <laughs> Satoshi. Presently, about 2,400 Satoshis make a dollar. <laughs> My God. 2,001 divided by 2,400 is a Satoshi. And the fundraiser has a target of 500 million. Boy, I sure hope they get it. And no Jew gets his stinking hands on it. The fundraiser on TallyCoin has the following message affixed to it. Quote, the Canadian Bitcoin community. Oh, so it's a Bitcoin uh, idea. The Canadian Bitcoin community would like to have a second financial access point for the at Freedom Convoy 2022. Legacy financial infrastructure can sometimes be politicized and clamped down on, whereas Bitcoin is a truly censorship-resistant method of communicating value. Don't allow your voices to be silenced, and don't allow your financial sovereignty to be trampled upon. Love, unity, and freedom. Let's raise some hard money for hard workers. Yeah, let's let's raise a stink, too. Update 1056 ET. This must have been from yesterday. I think we're going backwards in time as I scroll down. Conservatives are livid after GoFundMe caved to the Canadian government and canceled a massive donation campaign that had reached 10 million Canadian 
or 7.9 million U.S. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis tweeted, quote, It is a fraud for GoFundMe to commandeer 9 million in donations sent to support truckers and give it to causes of their own choosing, unquote. I think DeSantis is going to run for president and be another Trump. Adding, quote, I will work with at a, Aga, oh, A.G. Ashley Moody to investigate these deceptive practices. These donors should be given a refund. Indeed. I'm not going to read the tweets. There's a bunch of tweets here. Let me scroll down to the rest of the article. There's a, a couple of dozens of tweets here. Wow. So anyway, uh, oh, and, and Andy Engo, uh, uh, let me read his because he's, he's a, a real patriot. The, uh, the uh, GoFundMe for the three suspects arrested and charged over the bloody felony vandalism of a family's home for the purpose of witness intimidation appears to violate the site's policy. And he's simply saying that uh, GoFundMe raises money for violent, uh, radical leftists like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. It has no problem funding those people. But uh, it, then uh, it turns around, any patriotic cause will not be funded by Soros, Rothschild, Rockefeller, etc. Update 725 ET. After the radical leftists in San Francisco who operate GoFundMe seized millions of dollars from the Canadian Freedom Convoy and vowed to refund donations to donors upon request or disperse the funds to credible charities like Black Lives Matter. <laughs> that's a credible charity, right? Greenpeace, yeah, okay. That, that's, that's actually owned by the Rothschilds. And Planned Parenthood. Oh, th- those are really worthy causes, right? The internet went absolutely mental Friday night about the crowdsourcing platform decision. Rebel News is Ezra Levant equated GoFundMe's decision as as stealing the money. Yes, it's absolutely right. He said the crowdsourcing platform should have automatically refunded its donors. Hours later, around 0200 ET Saturday, GoFundMe released another statement that said, quote, due to the donor feedback, you are simplifying the process and automatically refunding donations. Well, if you donated to GoFundMe, better double check to make sure you get your refund. But I guess since Ezra Levant is a Jew, <laughs> they listen to other Jews, but they won't listen to Christians or whites. The audacity that leftists at GoFundMe, leftists? How about globalists? At GoFundMe thought they could redistribute the money elsewhere is shocking. It is a wake-up call for freedom-loving people who band together to take their funding operations elsewhere. Ever hear of BTC? I think he's talking about Bitcoin or ETH, which I don't know what that is. GoFundMe's poor judgment to not only now automatically refund donors has shown their true communist, he says liberal, communist globalist colors. This blunder has sparked a trust issue with the platform. Indeed, I hope they go broke. But they, they don't need anybody's money. They can just create money because they get international banker money constantly. All donors received this emailed statement early Saturday morning. Quote, We are automatically refunding your Freedom Convoy 2022 donation. GoFundMe supports peaceful protests, and we believe that was the intention of the Freedom Convoy 2022 fundraiser when it was first created. Has that changed? 
However, as a result of multiple discussions with local law enforcement and police reports of violence and other unlawful activity, the Freedom Convoy fundraiser has been removed from the GoFundMe platform. How about reports of violence by Antifa and Black Lives Matter for the last 20 years? And you have no problem funding them, taking donations for them. What a crock. What a bunch of hypocrisy. Continuing, the update we issued earlier enabled all donors to get a refund and outline a plan to distribute remaining funds to verified charities selected by the Freedom Convoy organizer. Well, okay, so they weren't going to give it to the Freedom Convoy, and they, they were actually going to choose whatever, you know, like uh, abortion, uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, communists, etc. That's where they were going to give the money to. Anyway, as a result of multiple discussions, oh, sorry. Uh, however, due to donor feedback, we are simplifying the process for you. We will automatically refund your contributions directly. You do not need to submit a request. You can expect to see your refund within 7 to 10 business days. Good luck, is all I have to say to that. However, it still amounts to stealing money from the convoy. It's still stealing, folks, because they're refusing to give the money to the intended entity. GoFundMe also tweeted part of the statement. The tweet was immediately ratioed, which means replies outnumbered retweets and likes, indicating the tweet was very unpopular. Facebook does the same thing. They delete the uh, critical the, the critical tweets. The, the world's richest person, Elon Musk, and a supporter of the truckers tweeted a meme comparing the amateur thieves robbing rail cars in Los Angeles to professional thieves at GoFundMe. The tweet went out to 72 million of his followers. Maybe he should run for president. He, he would give Trump a, a, a run, a run for his money, right? But the damage is already done. It's only a matter of time before an alternative crowdsourcing platform is discovered and or created. I think the Bitcoin alternative, but not everybody has Bitcoin. Uh, but uh, continuing here. Despite initially refusing to cave to pressure from the Canadian PM Justin Trudeau and his allies, GoFundMe announced late Friday evening that it had decided not to disperse any money to the Freedom Convoy and its supporters gathered in Coutts, Alberta, and Ottawa. Users will now need to request a refund for their donation or risk the possibility that the company will instead reroute it to a quote-unquote approved communist. As Rebel News Editor-in-Chief Ezra Levant reported in a tweet, GoFundMe has decided to take, or some might say steal, the roughly Canadian $9 million that was supposed to be used to pay for supplies like gas, food, and other necessities for the truckers. Yeah, how about porta-potties? And instead dole that money out to charities of the company. No, 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 no. Not charities. Left-wing radicals. Commies of the company's choosing unless donors fill out a request form. Okay, so you, you it's easy to put money in, but it's impossible to get money back, folks, when you're dealing with Jews. Why the company had decided on this policy instead of instating automatic refunds for donors isn't clear. But as Levant joked, what a windfall for Black Lives Matter, Greenpeace, and Planned Parenthood. By the way, I think, uh, wasn't uh, Millennial Millie 
Oh no, she was with. Uh, she used to be with Alex Jones, but Ezra Levant is kind of like the J Alex Jones of Canada. GoFundMe claimed that the fundraiser is in violation of term eight of its terms of service clause, but uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, Antifa never violate term eight. Really? It also explained that it often works with local authorities to make sure we have detailed understanding of facts on the ground. Yeah, uh, okay, some left-winger complains, and then it's automatically deleted. That's how that works, folks. That's how that works. The hypocrisy is quite literally unbelievable. Absolutely ethereal. Oh, okay, Jeffrey, ETH is Ethereum Crypto. I should get into that market. <laughs> All right. Okay, spoiler alert says we need a class action lawsuit. The right Canadian judge would be happy to assign a, a huge punitive damages. I hope so. Wisconsin had a, an honest judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. There might be a couple of honest judges in Canada. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adolf Richter says Jews swine are masters of their own destruction and soon they will be wiped out for good. No survivors. Yes, that is the case. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah uh, what's his face? The governor said he is a rhino. That's for sure. He is a rhino. I don't believe yeah, he, he makes annual trips to Israel. So I think he's just another you know actor, just like Donald Trump was an actor, pretending to be a conservative. And... Uh, in my opinion, without Trump, the uh, the lockdown would have never happened. Because uh, just imagine Hillary trying to do that, warp speeding, uh, warp speeding the lockdown, and face masks and all that kind of stuff. No way uh, the conservatives would have uh, rebelled earlier. They would have rebelled three three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, if Hillary Clinton had gotten elected. So the Rothschilds could see the writing on the wall, but they needed to have a conservative, quote-unquote conservative, in the White House to dupe the Republicans. And I think the Republicans are beginning to wake up. They're beginning to wake up, as a, the story from uh, California will reveal. Okay, but let's finish this. And this is incredible that uh, and remember uh, Millennial Millie uh, in that video that's uh, up on the front page of your folk radio uh, uh, please watch that uh, she names names and uh, the sources behind the companies the Jew owned companies behind GoFundMe what, what isn't owned by the Jews these days okay the Ottawa police meanwhile insist that demonstrators in the city are acting unlawfully several have been arrested mostly for charges that may seem serious but actually aren't for making threatening statements on social media and for other issues. Ottawa police have also warned that they will be collecting as much digital and financial information as they can from both the truckers and anybody who donates to support them. Wow. Wow. They don't do that to Antifa and Black Lives Matter. In a threatening statement, the police implied that supporters of the Freedom Convoy could face prosecution just for donating. Whoa, whoa. At this point, there's really nothing else for users to do but request their refund so that GoFundMe doesn't simply take their money and never donate to another fundraiser on that platform ever again. 
Yes, absolutely. Readers can find the link below. Again, this is zerohedge.com. If you're just listening and don't have your uh, computer running, after all, there are plenty of other crowd-raising platforms. Crowd-raising. I should crowd-raising? Fundraising, I think, is what they're trying to say. Fundraising platforms out there. Okay? So, yeah. Uh, it, but try to check into it and find out if it's owned by a Jew or not. <laughs> yeah, crypto is coming out of the slump. Uh, so, yeah, it, uh, crypto will never go away as long as the Internet's up because it's it's internet dependent. But there's no way the Jews are going to get rid of the, the internet because they need it for all of their financial transactions, like PayPal. Yeah. Uh, the same people who own GoFundMe own PayPal. Folks, are you shocked? I hope not. Okay, so let's continue. This is, uh, this is really interesting, folks. Uh, the revolution has begun. Now, the second story, this uh, AID, AICN, I put the link in the chat room. You'll have to scroll up for it. I'll try to put it in again. Uh, the best infos. Hmm. The, I wonder if this is American or it, it, I think it might be Chinese, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, Northern California County on track to be run by militia-aligned group. Whoa! Double whoa! You gotta throw those rhinos and liberals and commies out, folks. That's what has to happen. They have to be thrown out. I'm putting a link in the chat room again here, just in case people missed it. This is good stuff. February 3rd, 2022, by Aid. AICN.com. A retired police chief and self described Reagan Republican with decades of public service, Leonard Modi, checked all the boxes to represent his community in one of California's most conservative counties. But on Tuesday, voters ousted Modi, handing control of the Shasta County Board of Supervisors to a group aligned with local militia members. Whoa. Double whoa. Folks, the white race is fighting back. Let me repeat this. This is excellent. But on Tuesday, voters ousted Modi, M-O-T-Y, handing control of the Shasta County Board of Supervisors to a group aligned with local militia members. The election followed nearly two years of threats and increasing hostility toward the longtime supervisor and his moderate colleagues in response to pandemic health restrictions. No, they're not moderate, they're commies. While it's not yet clear who will replace Modi, the two candidates in the lead attended a celebration Tuesday with members of an area militia group, the Sacramento Bee reported. The recall is a win for the ultra-conservative movement in Shasta County, which has fought against moderate Republican officials and sought to gain a foothold in local government in this rural part of Northern California. All right, it's a win for ultra-conservatives, right? Hooray! It also highlights a phenomenon that extends far beyond the region, as experts warn that the pandemic 
and eroding trust in U.S. institutions has fueled, they say extremism, patriotism in local politics and hostility against commies. Die, commie scum. Die, commie scum. Okay, all right, and that's what's happening, folks. That's what's happening. Eroding trust in U.S. institutions, I wonder why, has fueled extremism, that is, patriotism in local politics and hostility against officials that could reshape governments from school boards to county supervisors to Congress. Amen to that. Quote, from Mr. Modi, I think it's going to be a change in our politics, <laughs> understatement of the year. And, and we've got uh, 11 months to go. I think we're going to shift more to the alt-right side of things. I really thought my community would step up to the plate, and they didn't, and that's very discouraging. Well, it's encouraging for us. Located more than two hours from California's more densely populated state capital, Sacramento, Shasta County has long been a conservative bastion and home to a thriving state of Jefferson movement, which advocates for, or I think they mean secession, not succession, secession from California and the formation of a new state. But it, it was also the sort of place where people could work through their differences to achieve common goals, said Modi who has served as supervisor since 2009. Time's up, Mr. Modi. After the pandemic took hold in 2020 and the governor instituted lockdown measures, however, many residents were outraged by the restrictions and what they viewed as the failure of county officials to stand up to the state government. Shasta County was among the least restrictive in California, Modi said, but residents unhappy about state rules and mask requirements began showing up in meetings in large numbers yeah that's what we have to do folks show up in large numbers we still might be able to peacefully turn this around but i don't think so because the rothschilds will never let go they will never let go the adl b'nai brith and all these jewish organizations the liquor industry etc hollywood they will never let go they will be destroyed continuing Shasta County has long been a conservative stronghold. Modi and other supervisors were soon subjected to levels of anger and hostility once reserved for state officials in what Lisa Pruitt, a rural law expert at the University of California, Davis, describes as a trickling down effect. Yeah, the anger and outrage is trickling down. Actually, it's percolating up. Quote, there's a lot of pent-up anger by a lot of people in rural and quasi-rural places that they're not getting a fair shake from the government, she said. Most of that has been directed at state government. The anger at state officials is now trickling down at local official officials because people think my local officials aren't doing enough, and that is true. Carlos Zapata, a local militia member who helped organize the recall efforts in 2020, told the board there could be blood in the streets. If the supervisors didn't reject state health rules such as mask requirements, blood in the streets, folks. Quote, this is a warning for what's coming 
It's not going to be peaceful much longer. It's going to be real. I've been in combat, and I never wanted to go back again. But I'm telling you what, I will stay in this this country. If it has to be against our own citizens, it will happen. And there's a million of people like me, and you won't stop us. Unquote. It's beginning to sound like the American Revolution all over again, folks. The rhetoric was a marked change from anything Modi had seen while in office. Quote, this is not the community I grew up in. <laughs> right? he would, Modi would have been a loyalist to King George for sure. I was surprised people would make sort of veiled threats toward public officials and push the envelope. Man, he's living in a dream world. Disruptions and threatening rhetoric have been seen in public meetings across the country in what experts view as an alarming development. No lie. In Oregon, a county commission moved to virtual meetings last month due to anti-mask protesters. Somebody pull the plug on their Zoom meetings, please. A parent in Virginia was arrested after threatening to bring guns if officials didn't make masks optional. Quote, Distrust in government has permeated the most local levels, said Colin Clark, a terrorism expert. Now, wait a minute. The terrorism experts weren't called in when Antifa and Black Lives Matter burnt 25 cities to the ground in 2020. Oh, we don't need terror. That, no, that's just, those are peaceful protests. Quote, I am familiar with the indicators of extremism and radicalization. Yeah, I'll bet he is. I bet he's seen Antifa and Black Lives Matter in action. He just hasn't complained about it. I see them in places I never expected to see them. That is patriots. If you had told me as terrorism expert I'd be talking about school boards, I'd have said you're crazy. Actually, school boards are the easiest to target with the uh, tactic of ousting them uh, on on their bonds. And uh, I won't have time to get into that subject today. I'll see if I can do that next weekend on Restoration Hour. It's a major, major subject. Uh, it's an easy way to get rid of corrupt politicians. Continuing. Politics in Shasta County has only become more hostile and contentious. In 2020, voters elected a new supervisor, Patrick Jones. <laughs> probably related to Alex Jones, who has been critical of Modi and other supervisors. In January 2020, Jones and Supervisor Les Baugh opened the doors to the supervisor's chambers and allowed members of the public into what was supposed to be a virtual meeting due to COVID cases. Yeah, yeah, the commies love to meet in secret. Modi has accused Jones, who has been a vocal supporter of the recall, of laughing up the public. <laughs> laughing up the public? <laughs> haven't heard that expression before. Anyway, Colin Clark. Jones did not respond to the Guardian's request for comment. He told KQED, quote, we've been demonized as radicals and various things like this. We are not. We are simply business owners. We're mothers. We're fathers. We're grandmothers. We're grandfathers. And we want to return to a country or county where we grew up. A safe, prosperous county that we can be proud of. Unquote. Yeah, white people want to be left alone. The board elected to hold a meeting last month virtually due to rising COVID cases and threats against Modi and other supervisors. 
The Shasta County Sheriff's Office is investigating what it described as credible threats against Modi and two other board members. One person told Modi that bullets are expensive, but ropes are reusable. Oh, reusable resources. Sustainable development, folks. Yes, very sustainable. I love it. So, the Reading Record Searchlight reported this week that an election official said they had been subjected to bullying in the lead-up to the election. Now, the left has been bullying people at the ballot box for decades. For decades, folks. Meanwhile, money poured into the county in support of the recall from an outsider, a millionaire, Reverge Anselmo. His $400,000 donation to the gathering committee in the recall is believed to be one of the largest in the county. Yeah, maybe he maybe he's not Jewish. <laughs> Polling numbers on Wednesday showed 52% of voters opted to recall Modi. Only 52%? Well, given the fact that most white people, and this sounds like a majority white county, are uh, lackadaisical, 52% will certainly carry the day. The success of the recall will likely set up more conflict between the local government and the state government, Pruitt said. Amen to that. Let it be. Modi is done with politics, he says. He plans to stay in Shasta County for now, but worries for the future of the area and that it could become a haven for those with patriotic views. He uses the word extremist. For many Shasta County citizens, he said, quote, they're going to get a rude awakening, unquote. Yeah, just like he got. Folks, the tide is beginning to turn. The tide is beginning to turn. This is really good news. Okay, so let's see. Uh, maybe there's something like this happening in your neighborhood. Where's Mr. Rogers? <laughs> okay, so another, before we get back to the Ed Arlt article, because these developments are very much related to the fact that the 14th Amendment has superseded the U.S. Constitution, and we need to undo the 14th Amendment, and we have constitutional means at our disposal to do that, okay? So I'm going to put this a link to the Quick Guide to Sovereign Citizens, which is a government document put out Oh, sorry. There we go. Complaining about sovereign citizens. And, yeah, Adolf. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Mostly peaceful arsonists. Well, it does say Babylon is going to burn. Book of Revelation says Babylon is going to burn. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Okay. Yeah. And Adolf Richter Trudeau is on the run. Maybe he should run back to Cuba. But his daddy, Fidel Castro, is probably dead already. But he probably has some in-laws in Cuba. So let's continue with this amazing document here. A Quick Guide to Sovereign Citizens. 
UNC, University of North Carolina School of Government, revised November 2013. Note, much of the information for this paper was provided by detectives Rob Finch and Corey Flowers of the Greensboro, North Carolina Police Department, Amy Funderburk of the North Carolina Administrative Office of the Courts, and David Adenolfi of the North Carolina Attorney General's Office. I'm sure all of them are radical leftist commies. What is a sovereign citizen? Sovereign citizen is a catch-all phrase referring to a variety of anti-government individuals. Yeah, anti-government? We're not anti-government. We are pro-government. We are anti-usurpation. We are anti-occupation. We are anti-Zionist. We are anti-communist. We're not anti-government. We want limited government. We don't want dictatorship. So this this phrase like anti-government is a you know a catch-all phrase, which doesn't really say it. It doesn't say anything about well, hey, anarchists are anti-government, left wing or right wing. They're left-wing anarchists. They're right-wing anarchists. Black Lives Matter is anti-government. Look at all of them. They're anti-police, too. So a variety of patriotic individuals, because that's what we are, and groups who share some common beliefs and behaviors. The organizations to which many sovereign citizens belong have a variety of names. Moorish Nation... The Aware Group, Washita Nation. Yeah, I mean, there's American Indian groups who don't like the federal government either. <laughs> the North Carolina American Republic. Now, that sounds interesting. The Republic of the United States of America, etc. The same views may be embraced by Freeman, Freeman on the Land, Sons of Liberty, and Aryan Nations. They are anti-tyranny not anti-government. The same views... Oh, sorry, I just read that. Many sovereign citizens may not affiliate with any of those groups. In one way or another, though, all sovereign citizens, whether tied to an organization or not, adhere to a view that the existing Jewish government, including the courts and law enforcement, is illegitimate, and that they, the sovereign citizens, retain an individual common law identity exempting them from the authority of those fraudulent government institutions. And that is correct. That is correct. Because current law, de jure, or I should say, de facto, current de facto law, which is fraudulent, is the 14th Amendment. And we will undo the 14th Amendment. Continuing, sovereign citizens may issue their own driver's license and vehicle tags, create and file their own liens against government officials who cross them, question judges about the validity of their oaths, challenge the applicability of traffic laws to them, and in extreme cases, resort to violence to protect their imagined rights. Now, wait a minute. How about leftists who resort to violence? 
they don't mention leftists at all. Of course, leftists aren't interested in being sovereign citizens. They want to overthrow. So it's okay if you want to overthrow the government by violent means vis-a-vis a communist revolution. Oh, the UNC School of Government is not concerned about that. They speak an odd, quasi-legal language. Well, not, not, not really. We speak constitutional language. It's the 14th Amendment Ill- illegitimate government that speaks in quasi-legal language. And we are figuring it out and using it against them. And believe that by not capitalizing names and by writing in red and using certain catchphrases, they can avoid any liability in our judicial system. They even think they can lay claim to vast sums of money held by the United States Treasury based on the premise that the government has secretly pledged them as security for the country's debts. (laughs) Right? I mean, all that's true. All that is true. Based on these beliefs... I should say, based on these facts, and a twisted understanding of the Uniform Commercial Code, which has replaced the Constitution, by the way, they try various schemes that they think might discharge them from responsibility for their debts. And I have to tell you that Barbara Martin succeeded in doing this. A judge ruled in her favor because she established her pre- 14th Amendment credentials as the posterity of white parents before the 14th Amendment. But we, in reality, we don't even have to go back that far. All you have to prove is that you are the posterity of a white person, of an American citizen, white American citizen, because the original Constitution included only white persons. The first immigration bill signed by George Washington states very clearly the only people who can become citizens of a particular state, and that's the difference here, state citizen versus a quote-unquote federal citizen under the 14th Amendment, you have to be white. And George Washington signed that bill into law, don't you know? The article continues, at their most harmless, sovereign citizens are cranks who talk what seems like gibberish to cops. Do not call yourself a sovereign citizen. That cop will get very angry with you. He will think you are a revolutionary. Well, actually you are, because you want to revolt against the fake government that rules over us to cops and magistrates and judges and then become law-abiding when they face legal, real legal trouble. Well, the, the problem is we want judges, cops, and others to be law-abiding, and they're not. They're working under fake law, the 14th Amendment fake law. At a different level, they may, be severe, they may severely burden the courts and other government offices with the filing of hundreds and hundreds of pages of nonsensical documents, and at their very worst, they may resort to deadly force to defend their strange beliefs. They're not strange beliefs, folks. It's the 14th Amendment that is strange. What they believe. 
Although the myriad sovereign citizen groups and individuals not tied to a particular group all have their own idiosyncrasies in their beliefs, they tend to share some common ideas. The first is that there are two classes of citizens within the United States. One class is sovereign or de jure citizens or original citizens of the states. Not United States, the states. The second class, first created by the 14th Amendment, is federal or U.S. citizens. That is correct. That is exactly the case. Sovereign citizens enjoy all the rights of the Constitution, but federal citizens do not. Federal citizens, the sovereigns believe, have bargained away their freedoms by accepting benefits from the United States government. That is exactly the case. Much of what sovereigns do is intended to rescind or denounce that federal citizenship and reclaim their common law sovereign stat- citizen status with all its rights. Okay, so they perfectly understand the situation. Let's see what you can do about it. That helps explain why they refuse to get driver's license and or register vehicles, reject Social Security, avoid using zip codes, and may not pay taxes because those are all forms of contracting with the government and accepting the lesser class of federal citizenship. That is correct. So the University of North Carolina, this document, they understand the situation. Reconstruction history is important to many sovereign citizens. Their view is that the governments established in the southern states after the Civil War were imposed against the will of and without the consent of the citizens and are not lawful. That is also correct. Because the radical abolitionists imposed black leadership in those states. And of course, the uh, Jewish carpetbaggers, etc. And uh, turncoat whites in those southern states after the war. That is exactly what happened. It's not a matter of belief. That is exactly what happened. These sovereigns distinguish between the original state of which they are citizens and the false and illegitimate state that occupies the same territory. And, as already mentioned, they view the 14th Amendment as the source of the new separate class of federal citizenship. So, they understand the situation. And if these people at the University of North Carolina understand it, so does everybody else in government. But, what can they do about it? The fact is that the Constitution, U.S. Constitution, is still there. It still operates if you can force the politicians to abide by it. And we are working on more and more ways to force them to obey the real law, which is the Constitution, not the code. The code, which you could call maritime law, commercial law, it doesn't matter what you call it, it's not constitutional law. It is fake law superimposed over the Constitution by these frauds. Now, it took a long, long time for the 14th Amendment to be implemented because the slow process of corrupting virtually every government official in America took well over 100 years, but it finally succeeded with the so-called Civil Rights Amendment 
in the 1960s that gave black people the vote. It took that long for the 14th Amendment to be fully implemented, but the corrupting influence started then, I believe the year was 1864 or 1865, that uh, the 14th Amendment has been gradually, slowly, surely being implemented, even though there are many court rulings against it in favor of, dare I say, sovereign citizens, (laughs) constitutional citizens. Let's put it that way, constitutional citizen. If you call yourself a constitutional citizen, what can a cop say against that? You, Mr. Officer, took an oath to obey the Constitution. I am a constitutional citizen. All I want from you is to obey your oath. So use the word constitution. Don't use sovereign. (laughs) That's the point of me reading this article. Don't use the word sovereign. That is a trigger word. That's worse than Negro. <laughs> okay. You don't want to use that word sovereign, folks, because all officers, police officers around the country are being taught that that is a trigger word and they may the cop may shoot you dead. He will just assume that you are a terrorist. That's what's going on here, folks. That is what's going on here. So, let's continue. Yeah, and uh, yes, Reconstruction history is very important to us because that is what enabled, the, in the aftermath of the Civil War, that enabled these uh, radical abolitionists, because uh, this was done by the radical abolitionists who were the puppets of the Rothschilds and the Illuminati. The Illuminati had a tremendous presence among the radical abolitionists. Most people don't realize it, but the radical abolitionists also wanted to destroy the Union. Okay? They wanted to end slavery and destroy the Union. Most people don't realize that. Okay? And they were part... uh, Giuseppe Mazzini, who was then world head of the Illuminati and a Freemason, actually came to America and met with some of the radical abolitionists, and he started a group called Young America, which is a blatant communist organization, Young America. And of course, if you're an Illuminatus, you're being financed by the Rothschilds. So this history has been totally hushed up so that the average American has no idea that the radical abolitionists are actually bought and paid for by the international banksters. No idea whatsoever. But that is the case. The Rothschilds financed both the North and the South. The chief Jew operative in the South was Judah P. Benjamin. He was, at successive points, Secretary of State, Secretary of the Treasury, and Secretary of War of the Confederacy. A Jew a Rothschild agent, a plant. He he played Jefferson Davis like a, 
out-of-tune violin by promising the Confederacy money from England, which never materialized. Never materialized. And they have all the money in the world. Even in those days, they had all the money in the world. But what the Jews of the House of Rothschild wanted was to kill as many white people as possible and destroy the Union. Because they saw the Union and they could see the industrial might of America and the fact, especially when Lincoln issued the greenbacks, that these greenbacks were being issued free of charge. (laughs) They did not bear any interest. And they they actually issued a statement called the Hazard Circular saying, if this money, these greenbacks, are allowed to exist, America will become free. (laughs) They they won't need us to uh, lend money into circulation. They won't need Jews. Hmm. That's what was really going on, folks. The Rothschilds were all over the Civil War. All over it. And, of course, the the New York banksters and the radical abolitionists in the North were pretty much the same organization. Obviously, whenever you have a movement like this, there are independent radical abolitionists. But as I just told you, Giuseppe Mazzini, a communist and Freemason and Illuminatus, came to America and tried to start the Young America movement. They had already started groups in Italy, the Young young Italy movement, the Young German movement, they're all communist organizations financed by the Illuminati. But let's continue. A second significant for the sovereign citizens, blending with the distinction between sovereign and federal citizens, is that when the federal government abandoned the gold standard in the 1930s, it substituted its citizens as collateral for the country's debts by pledging each other's citizens' future earnings to foreign investors. Yeah, Bank of England. (laughs) As with all other aspects of sovereign ideology, the details can vary considerably, but generally the explanation for how this happens is that a secret United States Treasury account is set up for each citizen at birth. Some large sum of money is placed in it or pledged to it, ranging from hundreds of thousands of dollars, $630,000 is a common number, to millions, depending on which sovereign citizen group's version you hear. As a consequence, they say, two separate identities are created. The corporate shell account, the one pledged as security, is the straw man to which sovereign citizens refer, and in their view is separate and distinct from their true flesh and blood identity. Well, whether this straw man exists or not, we are being treated as such by the feds. And of course, it was FDR who was responsible for all of that. In sovereign citizen view, the government-controlled and enslaved straw man is evidenced by documents showing the person's name in all capital letters. Birth certificates, social security cards, driver's licenses, tax forms, etc., therefore, represent only the shell corporate entity, the straw man, because they are written in all caps. A sovereign citizen avoids inadvertent subjection to this false government, and avoids being mistaken for a federal citizen by signing documents in a certain manner, for example, by identifying himself as John Doe, executive trustee for the private contract trust known as 
all caps, John Doe, or by identifying oneself as executor for the straw man or using copyright symbol with the name or saying, quote, John Doe, secured party, authorized representative, attorney, in fact, on behalf of John Doe in caps again, or interspersing colons or hyphens, etc. We don't need to go into this. Uh, this is uh, actually, I advise people not to go this route because if you run into a corrupt judge or a corrupt panel, they're just going to dismiss your uh, your move out of hand. Okay. So let me uh, skip the rest of the straw man business. Again, the beliefs and practices can vary considerably from group to group and person to person, but once you are familiar with the ideas above, you are more likely to realize you are dealing with a sovereign citizen. A sovereign citizen named Fred Jones may say, I am agent of Fred Jones, to inform you that he is not the corporate entity straw man, in all caps, Fred Jones, and thus is beyond the court's jurisdiction. Well, whether it's all caps or not, the 14th Amendment is unconstitutional and is in fact a second government overlaid upon the real government which is constitutional that is in fact the case folks there's no argument about that and uh, as I said many many court cases and I've been reading from these court cases from Ed Arlt's document that prove it the Supreme Court and other courts have real ruled in favor of this constitutional citizen reality over and over again, dozens and dozens of times. Of course, University of North Carolina does not even mention a single one of these cases because why? They want to simply demonize people who are going this route. Okay? And the more of us there are who do this and succeed at it, the more terrified all these fake judges, fake politicians, fake school board members, etc., etc., are going to shiver in their boots. And whether they like it or not, as you can see what's happening in California and Shasta County, it's happening. Especially people who are overburdened with government debt. Oh, not to mention all of the 500 and more government agencies created. The, the process started with FDR and his Jew deal. All of this is illegitimate, folks. 100% illegitimate, as is the Income Tax Amendment, the 16th Amendment, and the Federal Reserve Act, etc., and it was only because of the 14th Amendment that all of this regulatory government has been imposed upon us. And people are waking up to it. They're finally waking up to it. <laughs> okay. Jeffrey says, I am not a revolutionary. I am a resolutionary. I am resolved to revivify the former voluntary government of the original states. Yes. So am I. Okay. So, yeah, we, we have become serfs. They have reinstituted serfhood, serfdom. Yeah, and that's what we're dealing with. And, you know, it's just, Trump did one good thing. He alerted the people to the fact that there's such a thing as fake news. 
fake news. Now, people are beginning to realize, because of the lockdown, which, by the way, he helped institute by fast-tracking it, by warp-speeding it, and the vaccine protocols and mandates. Yes, he did that. Yes, he did that. Traitor. That was an ask of treason when he did that. He, he betrayed conservatism. He betrayed the Constitution when he did that. So, what we're gonna, we're probably going to see the go- Governor DeSantis of Florida running in his stead on a similar platform, but I am entirely skeptical. Entirely skeptical. Yes, yeah, uh, Roger Sales talks about uh, becoming a state national. Yeah, it's a, it's a similar, it's not exactly the same as what I'm talking about here. What Roger has done, he has uh, found a loophole in the law, in the code, not the law, the code. He has found a loophole in the code which allows people to get out of the 14th Amendment federal citizenship. It doesn't totally restore your U.S. national or your state national uh, you know, status. But, uh, but none of this, uh, uh, none of what I'm talking about costs any money. Yeah, there are six million Jews behind DeSantis. You got that. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> okay. But nevertheless, people are waking up to the fact that the 14th Amendment has created a fake government, has superimposed a different government over the constitutional government of America, and it has taken 100 years of finagling to overthrow the Constitution, but it really hasn't been overthrown. It's still there underneath the 14th Amendment. And I knew not too long ago uncovered a a speech by, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, from 1967, a, a Southern uh, politician, Rarick, Congressman Rarick, in the congressional record of, I believe, 1967, which is even after the, uh, the act that gave blacks the vote. And he says, point blank, the 14th Amendment is using deceitful language, false definitions, etc., etc., to establish itself fraudulently over the American people. So even Rarick knew it in 1967. But because the Jews have totally taken over the media, since the 1960s, very, very few people know about these things. Okay, so let's continue. Uh, I'm just going to, because I do want to get back to uh, Ed Arlt's document. I'm going to scroll down to where it says North Carolina appellate cases. There are a few state appellate court decisions debunking sovereign citizens' arguments because sovereign citizens almost always represent themselves and either do not appeal the trial court decisions against them or are unable to perfect an appeal properly. Also, most of the arguments they make are so obviously frivolous that courts feel free to reject them without much explanation. Well, of course, none of that's true. 
They don't debunk sovereign citizens' arguments. But again, you have to know what you're doing. <laughs> you have to get, know what you're doing when you go before a court. And you cannot accept the jurisdiction of a 14th Amendment court. You cannot do that. It's commercial law. And if you, if you haven't contracted, if they drag you into court and try you under 14th Amendment uh, dictator, dictates, that's what they are, they're dictates, they're not law, and you don't have a contract with somebody, you can demand that the court create, you know, reveal the contract. Where is it? That and if you, but they assume that if you sign your driver's license, that you have agreed to the contract. Well, if the contract is given to you fraudulently, that is vis-a-vis -vis the 14th Amendment, it's null and void, according to the Constitution. Because those driver's licenses are for commerce. The Constitution says, Real citizens of America, that is, state citizens, do not need driver's licenses. The roads are open to real citizens. Okay? Now, now reestablishing our constitutional citizenship is going to take time. Actually, I think Babylon's going to be going to burn before that happens. But we can make their lives miserable. As uh, we read this morning, uh, Deuteronomy 33.55, where Yahweh says, If you Israelites don't destroy these Edomites and Canaanites from off the face of the, of the planet, at least off the face of Palestine, they will come back and be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and have they ever. Have they ever. But now, turn about as fair play. We can become pricks in their eyes and thorns in their sides and have fun doing it. Okay? So, but all this North Carolina article is saying is that this appellate court operates under the 14th Amendment and not under the Constitution. So it's circular reasoning. Okay, let me scroll down. Let me just do one more section here. Names of their organizations. Two of the most prevalent sovereign citizen groups in North Carolina are the Moorish Nation and the Washington Nation. Now, that's interesting. These are not even whites, which don't count as uh, constitutional citizens anyway. Moorish Nation adherents may refer also to the Moorish Science Temple, Moorish Republic, United Nuwabian Nation of Moors, Muir Republic, or other variations. Moorish sovereigns tend to be black and younger. Many get started on this path in prison. The Washington Nation, or a Moorish branch, is tied to a group in Poverty Point, Louisiana. White supremacist organizations, as the Arab nations, may embrace sovereign citizen ideology as well. So too may freemen and related groups. Organizations such as the North Carolina American Republic in the Mooresville area, that's W... I think Mooresville is a town, not in reference to the Moors. But at least some of them say they are different. The North Carolina American Republic, for example, distinguishes itself as believing it is the real sovereign state of North Carolina, rejecting the notion of separate sovereign rights for individuals. 
I'm, I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. Their particular fantasy is that the state government put in place by the Reconstruction Acts is invalid and that they have reestablished the legitimate government of the state. <coughs> okay, that's what they mean. Accordingly, the North Carolina American Republic has named its own governor, legislature, etc. It's a different, wow, it sounds like secession all over again. It's a different route than the one followed by sovereign citizens, but leads to the same self-serving conclusion. No, it's not self-serving, it's constitutional. Conclusion that the established state institutions do not have jurisdiction over them. Well, just because they've been established does not make them legitimate. Remember, as I said, it's taken almost 100 years for the 14th Amendment to be fully implemented and bury, uh, and bury the Constitution underneath it. Okay, buzzwords. Below are some unusual words or phrases or manner of punctuation or writing that are commonly used by sovereign citizens, reflecting their beliefs. Some of the words are legitimate legal terms in the proper context, but are meaningless in the way they are used by sovereign citizens. No, that's not true. Obviously, the University of North Carolina is a globalist institution. For example, the Uniform, uniform Commercial Code, UCC, indeed exists and is important law for commercial transactions. Yeah, it's international law. It's not U.S. law. But it has none of the purposes ascribed to it by the sovereign servant. Well, we'll see about that. It would take a long time to explain why sovereign citizens speak and write the way they do or the meanings of these particular words. Just be aware that the recurrence of these ways of communicating is one indicator that the person is a sovereign citizen. So here are some of the uh, buzzwords. Uh, but it's interesting that the word communist is not a buzzword for these people. Straw man, de facto government, conveyance rather than vehicle, references to the UCC, IRS Form 1099, traveling in a commercial capacity, aboriginal, who was the victim? Yeah. You pass a law and there's no victim. Biblical law, there has to be damage done to somebody. And all these so-called hate crimes, that's 14th Amendment, folks. There is no victim. They simply tack on punishment if the perpetrator happens to be white. That's, is that fair? Okay, common law. Wow. That's a buzzword? Common law is a buzzword? Common law doesn't exist? Indigenous. Non-resident alien. Sui juris. Redemption. Domicile. Where is your oath of office? Or... I would say, what is your oath of office? Have you sworn an oath to the U.S. Constitution as an office holder that you should and must obey? Have you done that, officer? Admiralty, executor, accepted for value, free man. <laughs> oh, we can't have that. We can't have free men and women. Final solution. I've never heard uh, anybody in this movement use that term. Silence is acquiescence. That's true. 
if a statement is made in court and you don't and you think it's false and you don't object to it it will be considered factual so you better speak up don't let any false statement slide in court requesting an official's bond that's another method we can use and it works folks and finally state citizen that's a buzzword that's not reality folks so you can see that this document was created to and given to police officers so they would fear you and treat you as if you were a terrorist uh, okay, uh, I will lead, read this last paragraph. Some of the most troublesome activities by sovereigns are their lawsuits and liens against public officials. Court, by the way, in Britain, I have been uh, apprised that the reason why they have suspended all COVID mandates is because there have been so many lawsuits filed against public officials in Britain that the legal system is now utterly swamped and that's why they have suspended all mask and you know mandates all COVID mandates and we need to do the same here Canada needs to do the same etc etc Australia needs to do the same because all of these white nations have pretty much the same type of law but they don't unlike America they don't have freedom of speech and they don't have a second amendment and they don't have freedom of religion either and freedom of religion and under the constitution means the different denominations of christianity under no circumstances does the term freedom of religion imply islam or judaism or any other religion other than denominations of christianity the whole point of the first amendment was that that no denomination should be supported by the government period that's all it's about it's not about other religions there is you know the constitution only considers one religion and that's christianity the slogan of the american revolution was no king but jesus and the people who prosecuted the revolution created the the first bible society of America right after the revolution so let me repeat this because this is important some of the most troublesome activities by sovereigns are their lawsuits and liens against public officials court can deal with frivolous lawsuits through rule 11 oh rule 11 there's an Illuminati number sanctions contempt and gatekeeper orders a false lien can be more difficult to address because the official often doesn't know until much later that it has been filed and because filing offices generally are not charged with determining the legitimacy of a document before accepting it yeah you can bog down the courts this way to help address that problem the legislature in 2012 enacted a new statute gs 14-118.6 making it a class one felony to knowingly present for filing a false lien or encumbrance against the property of a public officer or employee based on that person's performance of official duties but nevertheless they take an oath to obey the constitution 
They take an oath to obey the Constitution. And if they fail to observe that oath, you can file that action against such people are doing this and it's working. Despite this this uh, GS 14-118.6, I just want to make you aware of it. The statute subsequently has been amended to include false claims. Well, it says false claims. If the public official is not abiding by their oath to obey the Constitution, not the 14th Amendment, the Constitution, you see, the people who wrote the 14th Amendment, the radical abolitionists hired by the Rothschilds, forgot something. They forgot about these oaths. Continuing. The statute also establishes a procedure for the register of deeds to reject such a filing and allows the public official to sue for trouble damages under the unfair and deceptive trade practices law. But it's not deceptive because that public official cannot even hold the office if they don't take that oath and abide by the U.S. Constitution. It has nothing to do with the 14th Amendment. So folks... People are doing this, and they're winning these cases. And, by, by the way, you know what, when you file a, a, a complaint against a public official who is not abiding by the Constitution, the bond company must follow through and, and inform the office holder that you know, there, there's a, an action being taken against you. And if, if that person can prove that you're not, <laughs> that you're not acting according to the U.S. Constitution, you are liable to these damages. Again, the real law, the Constitution, and the state, state constitutions are on our side. And all of these attempts by these usurpers and by their puppets and these authors here of this document from the University of North Carolina. They're liars. They're liars. But nevertheless, just be aware that uh, they have their own buzzwords. So don't... Uh, you're pr probably better off if, if a cop pulls you over. You do not make a fuss. If you have a driver's license and they ask for it, go show it to them. If you have other documents, such as a passport, etc., or international driver's license, there's various documents you can use. Uh, don't antagonize the police officer if you're using another form of identification that uh, will substitute for your driver's license. Uh, he may give you a ticket, and you will have to appear before a judge. You can tell it to the judge. Judges have ruled in favor of U.S. nationals and constitutionalists before, as I have told you. Barbara Martin took it to the Texas Supreme Court. The court ruled in her favor, and she never had to pay income tax, property tax, driver's license tax, any tax except you know the, the sales tax that everybody pays ever again. She succeeded. This works, folks. Okay, so th that took an hour and a half. Okay, but I just wanted to give you an update on what's really going on in the world and uh, what 
you know, the pitfalls that may happen as you uh, attempt to re, re, uh, regain. Actually, it's just like in, in, in Scripture, because we are the posterity. The posterity language of the Bible carries through with common law into our U.S. Constitution and also into the Declaration of Independence. That sovereignty language is there. That posterity language is there. The preamble to the U.S. Constitution talks about we the people and our posterity. (laughs) That's what it talks about, folks. The posterity, the birthright, the birthright of the tribe of Joseph. The tribe of Joseph is the birthright tribe. Ephraim and Manasseh, the English-speaking tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel. We are that people. And no one can take that away with us. Yahshua said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's not outside of you. It's not the government. And so we need to start asserting our sovereign rights, our birthright, and our posterity rights. We need to start asserting them. And there's no violence involved in this. So again, this document lies. Now, there have been occasional people who, probably because they have been railroaded, (laughs) get angry and maybe commit violent acts. But that's because it is a fake government. The 14th Amendment has created a fake government, period. Okay, so let's return to Ed Art. Now, I don't have this. I don't think there is an online version of this document. So I will remind you that this was filed by Edward J. Art. And this was filed March 28, 1986 in uh, U.S. District Court, Northern District of Texas. And uh, by received by Nancy Hall Doherty, clerk. Civil case number CA485BL8K. A supplemental memorandum on classes of citizenship in support of the accused's request for judicial notice of citizenship. So, Edward Alt has done exactly what this UNC article says. Only terrorists can can do only that, that none of this can be none of this can be legitimate well it was legitimate it was recognized by the court and I understand that he actually won this case but I was uh, reading through page 12 and I will uh, pick up on uh, page 12 and go into page 13 so on page 12, He says, The irreligion of the ruling class would rapidly spread to the lower strata of social life if the the Constitution and common law were not abided by, while simultaneously an opposite current would develop amongst the people, who in their earnest desire to preserve the faith of their fathers would separate themselves from the constituted authorities and make the destruction of those authorities the devouring passion of their lives, which is beginning to happen again, folks. We will have another American Revolution, even if such destruction involved the ruin of the nation. 
In opposition to them, the apostate or skeptically indifferent governors become step-by-step savage persecutors. Isn't that what we're seeing today? And call foreign allies to assist in suppressing the old national faith, which alone they find themselves unable to suppress. Despite the fact that the ADL and organized Jewry has subverted true Christianity and substituted Judeo-Christianity in its place, just as they substituted the 14th Amendment for the U.S. Constitution, the backlash is beginning to happen. There will be another Lexington and Concord shot heard around the world. It's going to happen, folks. It's unavoidable because the Rothschilds are pushing for it. We'll see if they can beat us again. In its distraction, the land falls prey to its enemies with all the horrors of national degradation and personal slavery to follow. That's what COVID is all about. That's what the lockdowns are all about, to enslave us. This, then, was the prevailing view of history, law, and religion at the time the American Republic was founded and subsequently for at least its first hundred years of existence. The organic law completely embodied these principles for it was wholly based upon the same authority that taught them, i.e., the Christian Bible. Yeah. We are the same posterity of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Bible, given, passed down through us through common law, King Alfred the Great, through uh, the Declaration of Arbroath and Magna Carta, and the U.S. Constitution. Common law. So he makes these quotes now. Quote, Christianity general Christianity is and always has been a part of the common law of Pennsylvania not Christianity with an established church tithes and spiritual courts but Christianity with liberty of conscience to all men this is Updegraff versus the Commonwealth 11 Sergeant and Rawls Pennsylvania Supreme Court reports one. Report number 400. Okay, let me repeat this. Again, proving that Christianity is the religion of the real United States, of the states. Christianity, not Buddhism, (laughs) not Hinduism, not Islam, not Judaism, but Christianity, general Christianity, is and always has been a part of the common law of Pennsylvania and of all common law. Not Christianity with an established church, along with the tithes and spiritual courts, but Christianity with liberty of conscience to all men. And of course, the men are white people, just as they are in the Bible. Quote, The people of this state, in common with the people of this country, profess the general doctrines of Christianity as the rule of their faith and practice. Remember, they're not using terms, the term Judeo-Christianity. It's Christianity without the Judeo in front of it. The Judeo business was actually started by FDR. There was no such thing 
as Judeo-Christianity until FDR started popularizing the idea in the 1930s along with the New Deal, etc. Okay, so... Okay, yeah, so the term uh, Jeffrey put in uh, uh, HTTPS, uh, T, oh, there's a telegram group, I guess, uh, for U.S. nationals. Okay. So, very good. Yeah, uh, the movement is growing. Okay. There's a woman in Illinois who I know of who removed a, uh, a teacher uh, from the board of, elect, uh, from the board of uh, whatever they call it, the, the teacher's panel in a local school district got that woman removed because she was not obeying the U.S. Constitution got rid of her uh, by uh, putting a lien on her uh, on her uh, what do you call it the bond putting a lien on her bond okay so folks this this works despite the fact that the University of North Carolina <laughs> poo-poos the idea no it's real because the Constitution is still in effect. It's just that we have to force our public officials to implement it, okay? Because the 14th Amendment is illegitimate. We know it's illegitimate, and the more people who get on board with this, the sooner this entire situation will improve. Okay, let's continue here with Ed Arlt's document. The people of this state, in common with the people of the country, profess the general doctrines of Christianity as the rule of their faith and practices, and to scandalize the author of these doctrines, Yahweh, Yahshua, or as most Christians know them, God and Jesus Christ, to scandalize the author of these doctrines is, not only in a religious point of view, extremely impious, but even in respect to the obligations due to society, is a gross violation of decency and good order. The free, equal, and undisturbed enjoyment of religious opinion, that is, of Christianity, whatever it may be, and free and decent discussions on any religious subject is granted and secured, but to revile with malicious and blasphemous contempt the religion professed by almost the whole community is an abuse of that right. Well, Virtually all Jews are in violation of this ruling. This is from the People versus Ruggles, A. Johnson's New York Common Law Reports, 290, at pages 294 and 295. So scandalizing the name of Jesus Christ should have sanctions against it. But no, not in the Jew world order we live in today. Continuing with this ruling, nor are we bound by any expressions in the Constitution, as some have strangely supposed, either not to punish at all or to punish indiscriminately the like attacks upon the religion of Mahomet or Mohammed or of the Grand Lama, and for this plain reason that the case assumes that we are Christian people, and the morality of the country is deeply engrafted upon Christianity and not upon the doctrines of worship of those imposters, okay? <laughs> those imposters. I love it. Again, this is the People versus Ruggles. 
8 Johnson's New York Common Law Reports 290 at pages 294 and 295. And Mr. Arlt continues after these three or uh, two excellent quotations by saying, These declarations are neither dissonant nor unique, for they speak the universal language pervading the judicial authorities. They affirm and reaffirm that this is a religious nation founded upon the Christian faith. These are not individual sayings or declarations of private persons. They are organic utterances. They speak the voice of the entire people. I quote Chief Justice John Marshall, who wrote that since the American people were entirely Christian, then, quote, It would be strange indeed if with such a people our institutions did not presuppose Christianity and did not often refer to it and exhibit relations with it, unquote, from the case of Joseph Story and the American Constitution, the book, rather, Joseph Story and the American Constitution, J. McClellan at page 139, Oklahoma University Press, letter of John Marshall to Jasper Adams, May 9, 1833. Again, the law is on our side. The law is on our side. Continuing with Mr. Arlt. Likewise, Justice Story commented extensively upon the national faith and its embodiment in the first article of amendment. Quote, How far any government has a right to interfere in matters of touching religion, and by religion is meant exclusively Christianity has been a subject much discussed. But talk about a buzzword? <laughs> Religion? Okay. Constitutionally, it means Christianity and Christianity only. Has been a subject much discussed by writers upon public and political law. The right and the duty of the interference of government in matters of religion have been maintained by many distinguished authors as well as those who were the warmest advocates of free governments as those who were attached to governments of a more arbitrary character. Indeed, the right of a society or government to interfere in matters of religion will hardly be contested by any persons, that is, in other countries, who believe that piety, religion, and morality are intimately connected with the well-being of the state and indispensable to the administration of civil justice. The promulgation of the great doctrine of religion, or doctrines of religion, the being and attributes and providence of one almighty God, the responsibility to him for all our actions founded upon moral freedom and accountability, a future state of rewards and punishments, the cultivation of all the personal, social, and benevolent virtues. These never can be a matter of indifference in any well-ordered community. It is, indeed, difficult to conceive how any civilized society can well exist without them. And at all events, it is impossible for those who believe in the truth of Christianity as a divine revelation to doubt that it is the especial duty of government to foster and encourage it among all the citizens and subjects. This is a point wholly distinct from that of the right of private judgment in matters of religion, and of the freedom of public worship according to the dictates of one's conscience, unquote. Commentaries by Joseph Story, 
volume 3, pages 722 and 723. So again, we see that Christianity is the only religion countenanced by the First Amendment. Other religions simply do not count. Continuing, quote, Now there will probably be found few persons in this or any other Christian country who would deliberately contend that it was unreasonable or unjust to foster and encourage the Christian religion generally as a matter of sound policy as well as of revealed truth. Now let me interject here. Virtually every other country has a state religion. That's true of Islam. That's true of Buddhism. That's true of communism. In fact... Every American colony, from its foundation down to the Revolution, with the exception of Rhode Island, if indeed that state be an exception, I think he's saying this because the uh, state of Rhode Island did not have a representative at the Constitutional Convention, but they did ratify it afterwards anyway, did openly, by the whole course of its laws and institutions, support and sustain, in some form, the Christian religion and almost invariably gave a peculiar sanction to some of its fundamental doctrines. And this has continued to be the case in some of the states down to the present period, without the slightest suspicion that it was against the principles of public law or republican liberty. Indeed, in a republic, there would seem to be a peculiar propriety in viewing the Christian religion as the great basis on which it must rest for its support and permanence. If it be, whatever it has been deemed by its truest friends to be, the religion of liberty. Yeah, only Christianity has it, says anything about liberty. Montesquieu has remarked that the Christian religion is a stranger to mere despotic power. Massachusetts, while she has promulgated in her Bill of Rights the importance and necessity of the public support of religion and the worship of God, has authorized the legislature to require it only for Protestantism. The language of that bill, it excluded Catholicism, folks. The language of that Bill of Rights is remarkable for its pointed affirmation of the duty of government to support Christianity and reasons for it. As, says the third article, the happiness of a people and the good order and preservation of civil government essentially depend upon piety, religion, and morality. And as these cannot be generally diffused throughout the community, but by the institution of the public worship of God and of public instructions on piety, religion, and morality, therefore, to promote their happiness and to secure their good order and preservation of their government, the people of this commonwealth have a right to invest their legislature with power to authorize and require that the legislature shall from time to time authorize and require the several towns, parishes, etc., etc., to make suitable provision at their own expense for the institution of the public worship of God and for the support and maintenance of public Protestant teachers of piety, religion, and morality in all cases where such provision shall not be made voluntarily. So, rather than... uh, It's not favoring a denomination, it's Protestantism in general. Afterwards, there follow provisions prohibiting any superiority of one sect over another and securing to all citizens the free exercise of religion, that is, of Christianity. Again, the language of the Constitution is to prevent one denomination from being sanctioned or promoted by the government against other denominations. 
has nothing to do with other religions. <coughs> Excuse me. Outside of Christianity. Continuing, this is a very long quote, but this is uh, from Joseph Story Commentaries, Volume 3, at pages 724 to 727. Uh, two more short paragraphs here. Probably at the time of the adoption of the Constitution and of the amendment to it, now under consideration, the general, if not the universal sentiment in America was that Christianity ought to receive encouragement from the state so far as was not incompatible with the private rights of conscience and the freedom of religious worship. An attempt to level all religions and to make it a matter of state policy to hold all in utter indifference would have created a universal disapprobation, if not universal indignation. Yeah, because none of them wanted to be Muslims or Buddhists or Jews. But the duty of supporting religion, and especially the Christian religion, is very different from the right to force the consciences of other men or to punish them for worshiping God in the manner in which they believe their accountability to him requires. Mr. Locke himself, who did not doubt the right of government to interfere in matters of religion, because they have done this throughout history, and especially to encourage Christianity, at the same time has expressed his opinion of the right of private judgment and liberty of conscience in a manner becoming his character as a sincere friend of civil and religious liberty. Quote, No man or society of men, says he, have any authority to impose their opinions or interpretations on any other, the meanest Christian, since in matters of religion every man must know and believe and give an account for himself. Unquote. Mr. Art states here, and Justice Story goes on to say that the first article of amendment sectioned Christianity only and none other, and he quotes, The real object of the amendment was not to countenance, much less to advance, Mohammedanism or Judaism or infidelity by prostrating Christianity, but to exclude all rivalry among Christian sects and to prevent any national ecclesiastical establishment which should give to an hierarchy the exclusive patronage of the national government. Okay? Can't be put any clearer than that. The First Amendment, freedom of religion, is not talking about all religions. It's only talking about denominations of Christianity. It does, it does cut off the means of religious persecution, the vice and pest of former ages, and of the subversion of the rights of conscience in matters of religion, which had been trampled upon almost from the days of the apostles to the present age. Amen to that. And that's true, because the Christians were persecuted from the very beginning. Christianity, as the embodiment of the law of God, was and is of the common law of both England and the American Republic. Okay, uh, we have about 10 minutes left. Another very long quote, but I think I can get through this in the next 10 minutes. And let me just turn the page here to see what the source is. These are very excellent quotations presented by Mr. Arlt to the court that was suing him, initiated the proceedings against him. And this again, okay, by the common law, and by the Bible, which is the foundation of the common law, 
by Wiley. Oh, okay. No, this is uh, a court case. Willie pronounced, uh, spelled W-Y-L-L-Y versus Collins. 9GA223, 237, 1851. And here we go. It appears to have been long perfectly settled by the common law that blasphemy against the deity in general or a malicious and wanton attack against the Christian religion individually for the purpose of exposing its doctrines to contempt and ridicule is indictable and punishable as a temporal offense. Lord Mansfield says, quote, the eternal principles of natural religion are part of the common law. So when the founders use the term natural religion, they mean biblical religion are part of the common law. The essential principles of revealed religion are part of the common law so that any person reviling, subverting, or ridiculing them may be prosecuted at common law. Unquote. The State versus Chandler. Two D, uh, I think it's Delaware. 2 Delaware 553. At 555 and 556, ruling 1837. Next quotation. It was a part of the common law so far that any person reviling, subverting, or ridiculing it might be prosecuted at common law, as Lord Mansfield has declared, because in the judgment of our English ancestors and their judicial tribunals, he who reviled, subverted, or ridiculed Christianity did an act which struck at the foundation of their civil society, intended by its necessary consequences as they believed to disturb that common peace of the land of which, as Lord Coke had reported, the common law was the preserver. To sustain the soundness of their opinion, their descendants point to us the tears and blood of revolutionary France during the reign of terror, when infidelity triumphed and the abrogation of the Christian faith was succeeded by the worship of the goddess of reason, and they aver that without this religion that no nation has ever yet continued free. They insist, too, that all history demonstrates that no nation without the light of the common law has ever been able to preserve any system of rational and well-regulated liberty, unquote. Again, from the State versus Chandler. Excellent. 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 Quote, Long before Lord Hale decided that Christianity was a part of the laws of England, the court, by the way, the Jews have insulted our religion time and time and time again. The court of King's Bench had gone so far as to declare that, quote, in almost all cases the common law was grounded on the law of God, which it said was causa causans, the cause of all causes, and the court cited the 27th chapter of Numbers to show that their judgment on a common law principle in regard to the law of inheritance was founded in God's revelation of that law to Moses. Communism, anyone? Communism wants to destroy the right of inheritance. It is a religion as well. Quote, What then are the well-established principles of the common law applicable to the present case? The distinguished commentator on the laws of England informs us that upon the foundations of the law of nature and the law of revelation, all human laws depend. 
one bl dot com dot four two. No idea what that refers to. Biblical commentaries, I think, is what it refers to. The municipal law looks to something more than merely the protection of lives, the liberty, and the property of our people. Regarding Christianity as part of the law of the land, it respects and protects its institutions and assumes likewise to regulate the public morals and decency of the community. Unquote. Bell versus the state, 1 Swan, Tennessee, 42, 44, 1851. Next, every system of law known to civilized society generated from or had as its component one of the three well-known systems of ethics, pagan, Stoic, or Christian. The common law draws its subsistence from the latter. Its roots go deep into that system. The Christian concept of right and wrong or right and justice motivates every rule of equity. It is the guide by which we dissolve domestic frictions and the rule by which all legal controversies are settled. Unquote. Strauss versus Strauss. 3. SO2D. I think that's South Carolina, possibly. 727 at 728, 1941. So it's very recent. Very recent. Quote. By the common law and by the Bible, which is the foundation of the common law, ruling in Willie versus Collins, 9 Georgia, 223 and 237, 1851. So we can see that freedom of religion in the First Amendment applies only to Christianity and to no other religion. And of course, it's the Jews who have been importing all these Muslims and uh, voodooists. And, and other people into our country, you know, violating the, uh, the, the state citizenship provision signed by George Washington that only free white persons can be citizens of any state and therefore U.S. citizens, not 14th Amendment citizens or federal citizens. Okay, we have about six minutes left. Christianity defined the limits of the republic and expressed the morality and justification upon which it was predicated as a natural genetic expression of the race that comprised it. This is by Ed Art. Let me repeat this because this is an outstanding, outstanding statement. And of course, we're talking about both Old Testament and New Testament, unlike the you know New Testament only version of Christianity, which denies the law. Okay, that's just a ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, can't even call it Christianity. Fa, or faux, however you want to pronounce it. Fake Christianity. Quote, But beyond all these matters, no purpose of action against religion can be imputed to any legislation, state or national, because this is a religious people, that is Christian people. This is historically true. From the discovery of this continent to the present hour, there is a single voice making this affirmation. The commission of Christopher Columbus, prior to his sail westward, is from Ferdinand and Isabella, by the grace of God, King and Queen of Castile, etc. And recites that, quote, It is hoped that by God's assistance, some of the continents and islands in the ocean will be discovered, unquote, the first colonial grant that made to Sir Walter Raleigh in 1584 was from Elizabeth, 
quote, Elizabeth, by the grace of God of England, France, and Ireland, Queen, Defender of the Faith, unquote, etc., and the grant authorizing him to enact statutes for the government of the proposed colony provided that they, quote, they be not against the true Christian faith now professed in the Church of England, the first charter of Virginia granted by King James I in 1606, after reciting the application of certain parties for a charter, commenced the grant in these words, quote, We, greatly commending and graciously accepting of their desires for the furtherance of so noble a work, which may, by the providence of Almighty God, hereafter tend to the glory of His Divine Majesty in propagating the Christian religion to such people as yet live in darkness and miserable ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God. Uh, Unfortunately, this proposes that they should Christianize the Indians which was a big mistake and has never worked. Okay, one more quick quote here. Language of similar import may be found in the subsequent charters of that colony in 1609 and 1611, that's Virginia. In language more or less emphatic is the establishment of the Christian religion declared to be one of the purposes of the grant the celebrated compact made by the pilgrims in the Mayflower 1620 recites, quote, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. The fundamental orders of Connecticut, under which a provisional government was instituted in 1638-1639, in the charter of the privileges granted by William Penn to the province of Pennsylvania in 1701, the The Declaration of Independence recognizes, if we examine the constitutions of the various states, we find in them a constant recognition of religious obligations. Every constitution of every one of the 44 states contains language, even the Constitution of the United States. These and many other matters which might be noticed, and a volume of unofficial declarations to the mass of organic utterances that this is a Christian nation, unquote. Holy Trinity versus United States, 143 U.S. 457, pages 465 to 471, 1892. Also, Vidal versus Girard's executors, 43 U.S. 127, Howe, 61 at 83, 1844. All right, folks, the U.S. Constitution is still. In effect, we just have to insist that corrupt uh, federal officials and local officials abide by their oaths to obey the Constitution, whether they are in a a 14th uh, Amendment court or not, they still still take an oath to obey the Constitution, not the 14th Amendment. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem 
government is the problem.